<clears throat> Let's pray together. God, we're so glad to be in this place. We're so glad for an hour to just simply quiet ourselves and center ourselves on you. There are so many things that pull at us, particularly at this time of year. So many burdens that we bear. And so we lay them before you. We pray for our brothers and sisters who live in Knollcrest East. We pray as they transition, many of them have lived together for a few years and now maybe they're moving on to other things. We pray for good endings. We pray for uh, those who are transitioning into leadership there for the fall, that, that you will raise them up to be men and women of integrity and leadership, that they can be build beautiful community there, that's, that people take time to get to know people outside of their apartments and invest in their buildings. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunities we have to learn how to live with people. It's such an important skill. And in this time of year when we're frazzled and tired, we can be short with people and we can be rude and we can be so focused on tasks that we forget people. And so, Lord, help us to slow down, to look each other in the eye, to pay attention to the people around us and how they're doing, and to be your hands and feet and ears to people who need it. Lord, we pray for Calvin College. We thank you for the board meeting this week and Thank you for the opportunity to pray for those board members in Friday Chapel. We pray for them and ask your blessing on them and the decisions that they have to make, and the ongoing work that they have. Continue to provide for us amazing men and women who are willing to lay down so much time to invest in this place. We're amazed too at the people who donated $25 million for debt relief. Lord, it's, it's not a something you could point to like a building, but it's going to make such an amazing difference in the college going forward. So we thank you that from the smallest gift of $10 to the largest gift of $10 million, people were faithful and responded. And we pray that you will use these gifts and bless the financial management of the college to bear good fruit. We ask a blessing on President Leroy and the cabinet we pray for faculty members who are grading papers and writing exams. We pray that they will be focused and diligent and fair. We pray that when they have conversations with students who aren't doing well and are worried about the end of the year, that they will be wonderful, gracious people. We pray for the staff members who are trying to finish well on academic year. We pray for your mercy and tenderness on them as they engage with students and talk about things like financial aid or summer housing or summer jobs, that you'll give them the energy that they need. And for all the dear students who have papers to write and labs to finish and projects that need to be completed, Lord, we pray you help us to make good choices. It's easy at this time of year to think that we can get by, that we can just cheat, that we can just do things that don't bring you glory. And so, Holy Spirit, convict us of that. Remind us that we are men and women of integrity and that our integrity is worth more than a grade. So help us to study well. Our vocation right now for many of us is to be students. This is how we can glorify you. 
So help us to do our best, not for our glory, but for yours. We thank you that this is a campus of prayer. We thank you that that tent on the lawn all week reminded us and turned our hearts back toward you. We thank you that for 24 hours a day, for the past seven days, we've been praying and we have seen you answer in ways large and small. And so help us to share those stories with each other, that as we go into a week of a lot of stress, we're reminded you are a God who provides. You are great and mighty. We pray for our world. Lord, our hearts break for the families in Nigeria who are worried about their daughters. We pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, there will be a change in heart in the people who have kidnapped them that there will be a miracle and they will be set free. And we pray that in the meantime, Lord, you protect them, body, mind, and soul. Guard their hearts and minds. Please, Lord, set them free. And we pray for those who continue to grieve in Korea for the ferry disaster as more news comes out. We pray for those in Syria, for people in Egypt, for people in Ukraine. Lord, there is so much hurt all over the world, and the ripple effects touch Calvin. And so we may, may we never think, oh, that doesn't affect me, because we're part of your church, a church that is around the world and throughout time and space. And so, Lord, help us to be vigilant in our prayers for these people. And God, we thank you for your word. And as we turn to it now, we pray that we will be centered on it and focused, and that you will open up things to us so that it will be fresh and new and alive. And we pray this through Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. Amen. Thank you. So we've been doing a series on Jesus and, right? We did Jesus and Nicodemus, Jesus and Lazarus, Jesus and Thomas, Jesus and the two on the road to Emmaus. And this week we're looking at kind of Jesus and us actually. They've all been about Jesus and us to a certain extent, but let's take a look at John 10. This can be found in your P Bibles on page 872. John 10. We'll read the first 10 verses. John 10, page 872. Jesus is talking here. He says, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, he said to them, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. When you join the Calvin College community, there are a number of rituals that you go through. 
One of them involves uh, sitting in a small spot where they point a little camera at you and then they print your picture out on a little plastic card. This is the ID that I received my freshman year at Calvin College. I know, imagine how old that is. 1987. So this is your ID and we keep these, right? We, we hold on to them most of the time because your ID when you are a student allows you access to the things you most need as a student. You can swipe into your dorm room, which is, or your, your building, which is very important because that's where you sleep. It's very important for students. You can swipe in the dining hall or in Johnny's and get food. Very important. And you can swipe in the library and they will give you books. I know you're not as excited about that one. <laughs> but if, if there are things you need as a college student, your ID gives you access. It gets you into certain places. It allows you to go places that other people cannot go. Access. In John 10, Jesus is talking about access. And we know that because John 10 comes, huh, follow me, after John 9. I know. And in John 9, there's somebody who's never had access. He was born blind. And when you were born with a disability in that culture, that meant that you were completely out of everything that mattered. You couldn't earn a living. You couldn't go to the temple. The odds of you marrying and having a family and having those markers of success, completely gone. You had no access at all. Now there are people who did have those things, there were people who had a lot of access, access to the rules and how they were interpreted. These are the kind of people who took their ID cards and hung them on lanyards around their necks so you could see exactly how much access they had. And they were very aware of who had access and who didn't. So this man who's born blind encounters Jesus who spits on some mud spits on some dirt actually, turns it into mud, puts it on the person's eyes, he goes and he washes and he can see. It's amazing, it's never been done before. Well then, there's a bit of a kerfuffle. Because the people who have access believe that they're the ones who have access to God and blessing and they know how to get blessings and God and they're pretty sure that this guy doesn't have access. Did somebody give him a card? I don't think anybody's given a card, right? Let's check. Maybe it's not him. Let's get his parents in here. Let's ask them. Did you have a card? We did not have a card. You can talk to him. And they're very perplexed because they're the ones who controlled access. They're the ones who said whether you were in or out. And suddenly, here's this guy, born blind, who's been out his whole life, who's suddenly in. He has access to everything now. And not only that, he's saying that Jesus did it. And they're like, I don't think anybody gave a card to Jesus. They're mystified by this whole thing. And they're grilling the person. And he says to him, look, here's what I know. I was blind. Now I see. Jesus did it. 
And I'm pretty sure you can't do that type of thing unless God is with you, that you've got some kind of special connection to God. So that's what I got. And they throw him out. And Jesus finds him again. And he has this amazing confession of Jesus. And he worships Jesus. And out of that story comes this. Out of that story comes Jesus saying, listen, there are people out there who are going to tell you that they know the way, that they've got special access, but they are thieves, they are bandits, they are strangers, and let me tell you something, my sheep know my voice. Who's he talking to? Who's he talking about? He's talking about that blind man, right? That blind man who the whole way along was going, no, you guys with the cards on the lanyards hanging around your neck, I don't, I don't think you're quite right. I don't, I don't know your voice. He finds Jesus, and he follows Jesus. He knows his voice. You see, the people with the ID around their necks, the people who thought they had access, they're like thieves, bandits. Sometimes you see those... Um, home security commercials and they have like the thief from a fourth grade play, right? Got the black mask, got the black gloves, the black turtleneck, like this is what a thief looks like, right? But the truth is most of the time thieves blend in. You're sitting at Starbucks, the person next to you is drinking Starbucks, reading the paper, you're working on your laptop, you lean over, you get something out of your backpack, the person reaches over, takes your phone, puts it in her purse. Thieves try to blend in, finishes her coffee, finishes the paper, walks out with your phone. These people who thought that they controlled access looked close enough to what people thought religious leaders were supposed to be like that it was kind of hard to tell. I mean, they talked about scripture, and that was important, and they talked about God, and that was important, and, but wow, they also made it kind of all about them, like you had to be like them in order to get access. Or you were completely cut off and you could work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, but you were never going to be like them. So it was either all about them or it was all about you, and in either case, you were out. Jesus says people like that are thieves. They're like bandits. They are strangers. They are calling out and trying to woo you away. Now, we read John 10, and we think, wow, aren't we glad that doesn't happen anymore? Right? Because there's nobody who's got, like, a podcast or some books published or something who's saying, look, if you just, you know, manage your money like I manage your money, God will bless you. If your marriage just looked like my marriage, God would bless your marriage. If the way that you manage your time looks like the way that I manage my time, God will bless you. The more you become like me, the more God will bless you. We don't have anybody around who says things like no, we do. And then don't we sometimes feel like other people do have some kind of special access? Like, 
Like there are people who seem much more comfortable talking about what God is doing in their lives and naming it and saying, you know, God, this, this thing in my life. And you're like, I don't think I've ever said that. Do they know a secret code that I do not know? Is there something printed on the back of their Calvin ID that I do not have that allows them to know what God is doing? Because I just don't know. And then we think if I just work harder, if I just pray more, if I just find the right prayer to pray out loud all the time, there's got to be some secret key, some secret code. And these things have bubbled up over time in Christian circles too. If you pray this particular prayer in this particular way, God's going to have to do what you say. Several years ago, it was the prayer of Jabez. Anybody remember the prayer of Jabez? right? If you just pray the prayer of Jabez in this particular way, and then God has to do what you pray. Let me tell you something. Anytime somebody says, well, then God has to, false prophet. Anytime somebody's forcing God's hand, false prophet. Anytime somebody says, you've got to work harder, false prophet. Anytime somebody says, be like them, as opposed to be like Jesus, false prophet. And so Jesus is looking at his situation around him and he's saying, look, I am the gate. I'm the gate. And we hear that, we're like, okay, not clear on what a gate is in this situation. Well, when the shepherds were out with the sheep, out in the different fields, there were different natural caves that they could use to tuck the sheep in at night. And there were rock walls that people would build up to keep the sheep in but nobody really owned these caves. Nobody managed these caves. So there wasn't a particular gate that was set up. And so the shepherds would sleep in the gate. They would literally be the gate. That's why he says, I'm the shepherd in the beginning. And he's like, I'm the gate. It's the same thing. Now, what does he say in verse 9 about what the gate does? I'm the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved, will come in and go out, and will find pasture. That's the fulcrum on which this whole passage kind of rests. That's the anchor point. That's the thing. They'll be saved, they'll go in and out, and they'll find rest. All three of those things have Hebrew roots. They're all references to images that are woven through Old Testament Scripture. So when Jesus says they'll come in and be saved, he's not just talking about access. He's not just talking about come on in, be saved, don't go to hell, come on in. He's talking about salvation in the whole context of what it means to be secure in the knowledge that Almighty God loves you. Some of you were in chapel on Wednesday and you heard Professor Prope tell his story about being diagnosed with a very severe form of cancer. And he was given less than a year to live. And after that very sobering meeting with the docs, he and his family went into the little chapel in the hospital and they wept before the Lord. And he said, and I knew in our weeping, I experienced the goodness of God. And then, when that diagnosis was changed, because people have been praying, he would say, 
When that diagnosis shifted and suddenly he was given a 20-year extension on his life, he said, I knew the goodness of God again, but the goodness of God wasn't based on my circumstance. The goodness of God was based on who God is and was and will be. So when Jesus says, I'm the gate, when you come in, you're saved. It's that kind of deep-rooted salvation that says, no matter what is happening in my life, I rest secure because the Lord is my rock and my stronghold. The Lord is mighty. The Lord is my shield. All those images that come up, that's what Jesus is talking about. So I'm the gate. They'll come in and be saved. What's the next line? Come in and go out, right? Come in and go out. This is a Hebrew idiom for just everyday life. They're just going to live everyday life. You can hear it in Psalm 121. Some of you know that psalm. It's a psalm that we often say, well, the, the traveler's psalm. He will watch over your coming and your going from now on and forevermore. It's the same idiom. It's the idea like he's going to be in your daily life. He's going to be paying attention to every detail of your life. Every detail. This spring, I got to learn a lot about uh, lambs. That's not something I anticipated doing on spring break, but it was kind of cool because I was in a country where they have a lot of sheep. And I was very enthusiastic about the sheep. You could just ask my husband. And in the evenings, they have this special show that they just run on BBC in the springtime about lambing. And I learned so much about lambing. So let me tell you a little bit. I won't tell you everything, but it's so cool. So there are people who go from farm to farm and they give sonograms to the sheep to figure out how many little baby lambs a ewe is carrying. And if she's carrying three, she gets a special mark on her. And if she's carrying one, she gets a special mark on her. But if she's carrying two, that's what they want, so no special mark. So the hope is for lots of twos because a sheep only has two teats. So... When they all get into the barn, and it's lambing time, and they did this live, which was really cool. And you could see the shepherds are like watching, like the threes are over here, and the ones are over here, and the twos are over there. And when the threes give birth, and they have their three, they take one of them, and they bring it over to the one. And they take the placenta from the one, and they smear it all over the, the little triplet, so that the mama you, I know this, you're, some of your biology people are like, Yeah! Nursing people are like, la placenta, say it, say it. So, so they smear all over so that the, the mom thinks, oh, this is my kid. This is my kid. So the shepherd is doing all of this maneuvering. And beforehand, when they're out in the field, if they're threes, they get more food. And if they're ones, they get less food. And there's all this coordination that's happening. There's all this movement that's going on. Are the sheep aware of any of this? No. Do the sheep have any idea that there's a mark on their back? No. Do the sheep know, like, oh, I thought I only had one, but hey, come on in. <laughs> no idea. No idea. Who's doing all the work? The shepherd is doing all the work. This is what this means. You're going out, you're coming out, you're going to be like, la, 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 and the shepherd's going to be like, I got a lot of details going on with my flock. Go in and out. What's the next one? Find pasture, right? 
find pasture. And this, of course, is a reference to Psalm 23. He will make me lie down in green pastures. And this is this idea that you will be sustained, that you will have enough. Not only is he coordinating every detail of your life in ways that you do not understand, but he is going to feed you. And scholars say here's allusion too to manna and the wilderness. Here's allusion also to the daily bread prayer and the Lord's prayer. That he will provide whatever you need. I am the gate. You're going to be saved. You're going to go in and out. You're going to find pasture. Jesus says thieves, bandits, they come in and they want to steal and kill and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Have it to the full. Have it full up inside you. An abundant life, friends, is life that is lived in the context of the shepherd's flock. Abundant life isn't getting everything I want when I pray for it. Abundant life isn't I'm going to try really hard so I can have access to God like that person has access to God. Abundant life isn't anybody telling you that if you're like them, you'll get close to God. Abundant life is being close to God. Abundant life is the tender care of a shepherd who's taking care of you when you have no idea what's going on. Abundant life says it's not just about access and getting in. It's about access to an abundant life, a life where you're not afraid to confess your sins because you know they'll be met with grace and forgiveness, a life in which you're not afraid to take a risk because you know that the one who called you is faithful and he will provide. Abundant life is saying that I will follow even when it's hard and even when I don't know what's going on because I trust the shepherd and I will learn to listen to his voice. That's abundant life. The voice of the shepherd is the one that we learn to listen to, the one to recognize by reading scripture. Sometimes when you're in seasons of stress, and maybe you blow something, and you hear a little voice in your head that says, man, you are such an idiot. I can't believe you did that. Here's a quiz question. Is that the voice of Jesus? No. If you blow something, and you're disappointed in yourself, and you hear a voice in your head that says, you know what? I want you to take a breath. It's all right. You'll do okay. I want you to talk to somebody about it and get some help. Does that sound like the voice of Jesus? Yeah. Gosh, you're totally on your own with this one. I can't believe you messed it up that badly. Voice of Jesus? I am with you always to the end of the age. Voice of Jesus? Yeah. So when you're talking to each other over the next 10 days about how stressed you are and how much you have to do and how you can't believe you blew that final and you're such an idiot, how did you not know that problem was going to be on the final? If you hear anybody say that, I just want you to go, oh, oh, time out. Is that the voice of Jesus? Let me, let me, let me tell you something Jesus would say right now. And I want you to bless each other and help each other to listen to the voice of Jesus.
Because the enemy's always going to be trying and getting in there, and the thieves and the bandits are going to be in there, and they're going to be pulling you away from abundant life. But if we are true and listen to our shepherd, he's always going to be calling us back. He's always going to be calling you back to abundant life. Will you pray with me? Our God, our good shepherd, we praise you that you are the gate, that you are the one who lies in the gap between us and danger, that you are the one who oversees our going out and our coming in, that you are the one who satisfies our needs. We thank you that you want to give us abundant life. And so, good shepherd, we pray that we follow you, that we learn to hear your voice above all the other voices, that we know that we have access not only into eternal life, but into a life that starts now, an abundant life, a beautiful life, a rich life. So, Jesus, we pray that you are our center, that you are the one that we focus on, When there are other people who say, be like me, may we hear you instead over all saying, follow me. When we get caught up in our own achievement saying, I just need to try harder, will you calm our hearts and say, I have done it all already. Good shepherd, speak to us. Be our center. We pray in your name. Amen.